Good morning, and welcome to Overeaters Anonymous, a Vision for You Big Book Study. My name is Katie F., and I'm a recovered compulsive overeater. Today is Thursday, August 17th, 2023, and today we are reading from the big book, and we are in the chapter, Working with Others, and we're on page 100, the fourth paragraph that starts with, Assuming We Are Spiritually Fit, through that one paragraph ending with, Our Experience Shows This Is Not necessarily so. Today's readers are, and thank you for your service, for the 12 steps, Laurel B, 12 traditions, Karen W, and reading the text are Martha Z, Lulu L, and Nancy P is our backup. The newcomer greeter is Vanita L, and the host of the second hour is Leah S. The reference numbers for Wednesday, August 16th, 7 a.m. meeting are for the 7 a.m., 20,000 545, that's 20545, and for the 10 a.m., 20546, that's 20,546. OA Preamble, Overeaters Anonymous is a fellowship of individuals who, through shared experience, strength, and hope, are recovering from compulsive overeating. We welcome everyone who wants to stop eating compulsively. There are no dues or fees for members. We are self-supporting through our own contributions, neither soliciting nor accepting outside donations. OA is not affiliated with any public or private organization, political movement, ideology, or religious doctrine. We take no position on outside issues. Our primary purpose is to abstain from compulsive eating and compulsive food behaviors and to carry the message of recovery through the 12 steps of OA to those who still suffer. Our sole purpose, OA's fifth tradition states, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. At a Vision for You Big Book study, our message is that people who suffer from compulsive overeating can recover through abstinence in the practice of the 12 steps and 12 traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. I will now ask Laurel B. to read the 12 steps. Good morning. This is Laurel B. Recovered from Wakanda, Illinois. One, we admitted we were powerless over food, that our lives had become unmanageable. Two, came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. Three, made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood him. Four, made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. Five, admitted to God, to ourselves, and to another human being the exact nature of our wrongs. Six, were entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of character. Seven, humbly asked him to remove our shortcomings. Eight, made a list of all persons we had harmed and became willing to make amends to them all. Nine, made direct amends to such people wherever possible, except when to do so would injure them or others. 10. Continued to take personal inventory, and when we were wrong, promptly admitted it. 11. Sought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood him, praying only for knowledge of his will for us and the power to carry that out. And 12. Having had a spiritual awakening as a result of these steps, we tried to carry this message to compulsive overeaters and to practice these principles in all our affairs. Thank you for letting me do service. Thank you, Laurel. Okay, I will now ask Karen W. to read the 12 Traditions. Good morning. This is Karen W., compulsive overeater from Texas. 
One, our common welfare should come first. Personal recovery depends upon OA unity. Two, for our group purpose, there is but one ultimate authority, a loving God as he may express himself in our group conscience. Our leaders are but trusted servants. They do not govern. Three, the only requirement for OA membership is a desire to stop eating compulsively. Four, each group should be autonomous except in matters affecting other groups or OA as a whole. Five, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. Six, an OA group ought never endorse, finance, or lend the OA name to any related facility or outside enterprise, lest problems of money, property, and prestige divert us from our primary purpose. Seven, every OA group ought to be fully self-supporting, declining outside contributions. Eight, Overeaters Anonymous should remain forever non-professional, but our service centers may employ special workers. Nine, OA as such ought never be organized, but we may create service boards or committees directly responsible to those they serve. Ten, Overeaters Anonymous has no opinion on outside issues. Hence, the OA name ought never be drawn into public controversy. Eleven, our public relations policy is based on attraction rather than promotion. We need always maintain personal anonymity at the level of press, radio, films, television, and other public media of communication. And Twelve, anonymity is the spiritual foundation of all these traditions, ever reminding us to place principles before personalities. Thank you for allowing me to be of service. Thank you. Karen, okay, how our meeting works. Our meeting focuses on the directions for recovery described in the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous. We read a paragraph or two from the literature, then stop and share on what was read. Anyone can share, but we ask that you keep your sharing to the topic and literature we are discussing and that you keep your share to approximately three minutes. Singleness of purpose reminds us to identify as compulsive overeaters only. Our absence requirement for moderators is one year, and for readers is six months. There is no absence requirement for sharing on topic. This meeting does request that your sharing be directly linked to what was read. We are sharing what the directions in the big book mean to us. To share, press star one to unmute, and once you are done sharing, let us know by saying pass, then press star one to mute your phone. In order to have a quiet meeting, everyone's phone, except the speakers, should be muted. And today, we resume our study of the big book. We're on page 100, the fourth paragraph, which starts with, assuming we are spiritually fit, reading through that whole paragraph, ending with, that is not necessarily so. And I will ask Martha Z to begin reading. Good morning, Katie. Uh, this is Martha C. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater by the grace of God from outside of Philadelphia. Assuming we are spiritually fit, we can do all sorts of things alcoholics are not supposed to do. People have said we must not go where liquor is served. We must not have it in our homes. We must shun friends who drink. We must avoid moving pictures which show drinking scenes. We must not go into bars. Our friends must hide their bottles if we go to their homes. We mustn't think or be reminded about alcohol at all. Our experience shows that this is not necessarily so. Good morning, my friends in recovery. So 
it starts out by saying, assuming we're spiritually fit, we can do all sorts of things that I'll say compulsive operators are not supposed to do. And it you know goes into a few things. But then it, at the end it says, um, you know, that let's say where it says we mustn't be reminded about food at all. Our experience shows that this is not necessarily so. And my one thought about that was, and I think it says this later in in the chapter, but it talks about us thinking about what we can bring to the occasion rather than what we can get from it. So I like to pray, you know, before I go, and I'll say, help me to be a good instrument and blessing for those whose lives I touch. So I think that's really the important thing. But I really wanted to just say something about what we were talking about yesterday because it struck me so much when we were talking about um, our improved domestic relations and how we should share that with other people. So um, I was just going to say, so I, I have been married 45 years. My first 10 and a half years, I was in OA struggling with this disease. And I was a child. I was not an equal partner. And um, so anyway, here we are. You know, it's it's 34 and a half years later. Thank God I have been living in recovery. And um, I don't normally have New Year's resolutions because I'm always trying to work on something. But this year I decided that I was going to start to look for the good in my husband because we are one of the one of our challenges is that we're 180 politically, and I and I find that very challenging. And though. There's so much good about him, so I decided that I was going to start doing that, and it has helped so much. Um, it, it's just really helped so much. And um, anyway, the other thing I wanted to say is, the other day we were talking, and I was asking him about how, what kind of changes he sees, you know, in in me since my recovery. And at first he said something about our communication, and he said, you're something about your nice about it or you know that i we could talk about things but i was nice about it and then he said i wasn't so controlling but the thing that that um got me the most is he was talking about how i was less fearful i thought wow you know i am i do have a lot of fear and i have a relationship with god that i you know that i stay very close to and and constantly leaving things in his hands so i just find this so miraculous I'm, I'm so grateful all my relationships are better I have good relationships with my daughters I really feel like I have the best possible relations but it is it is because of this program and recovery so anyway thank you thank you so much Martha Z for getting us started so although we value your experience we ask that you limit your shares to every third day in order that others might share their experience. So who would like to share on this paragraph? Katie G. Rivka R. Melissa G. Rivka. Rivka. Did you hear Melissa? Loretta H. I got you, Melissa. And I think it was Cindy C. Cindy C. Right. Okay. Lisa C. I'm sorry, who was that? Loretta H. Lisa C. Lisa C. Okay. Let me tell you who I have, and then I could take one or two more. I have Vasa. Katie G. Okay, I hear you, Vasa. Okay. So I have Katie G, Rifka R, Melissa C, 
Cindy C, Loretta H, Lisa C, and Vasa O. That's a good group. Let's. Do anybody else want to jump in there real quick? Vanita L. Vanita L. Okay. We'll stop there. Okay, go ahead, Katie G, followed by Rifka R. Thanks, Katie, for taking the meeting. Good morning, everyone. I'm Katie G, recovered in Boston. And, you know, I was talking with a friend yesterday who's also a mom, and I said, what is it <laughs> that allows me to sit there with an ice cream cone in both my kids' hands and ice cream on my face and down my shirt and I'm not licking it? Like, I, I don't understand that. And I don't say that to show off because... I only have that based on the maintenance today of my spiritual condition, right? Like if I allow my obsession and my rumination to get to the point that um, eating could be a step up from my, from my thinking. But when I first came into the rooms, like I was a big fan of, of telling people like, ew, that's gross. You shouldn't be eating that. And don't you know, blah, blah, blah. And, um, you know, I don't like it when people criticize my food. Like, why would I criticize theirs? And, um, and I will also say that in the beginning, when I was in the hospitalization period, it was really important that I not go places where there was a hot fudge sundae and I not go places where I was going to be tempted because you know what? I was new and I'm not saying that I didn't have my kids because I did. And there are still times where like I, I hand the cake to my husband um, to cut and I and I'll say too like it's amazing that we get to share it with each other and I've had the privilege recently of sharing it with a um, some a family member of a sponsee and I know that my sponsor has been gotten very involved in my family at times and um, and that this really is a family disease and that we can share what God has done for us and we can share that it is a miracle um, and it is possible to live this life that's not under the bondage of food. And, you know, I think that it is wonderful that I'm able to be neutral. But again, I think that line, assuming we are spiritually fit, you know, and I got to be honest, I'm recovered today. That doesn't mean I'm always spiritually fit. That doesn't mean I'm always going to walk into a candy store with my family and want to stay there because you know what? I don't need to tempt fire for me. This is life and death, and it's not a sign of, like, performance if I can stay in a candy store for 10 minutes. So I'm just so grateful to God for um, giving me this neutrality and giving me the opportunity to live a life away from food. I never in a million thousand years thought that I could live a life away from food, and today I can. Today life has meaning and purpose, and with that I pass. Thank you, Katie G. Next, we will have, sorry, uh, Rifka R. followed by Melissa C. Uh, good morning. Um, thank you, Katie, for your service. It's Rifka R. Gratefully recovered compulsive overeater in Baltimore. So, um, yeah, this line: assuming we are spiritually fit, we can do all sorts of things alcoholics are not supposed to do. So I just, we are living in such an abundant food culture. Like, it's all around us. I, I can't avoid going into the bar. I like, live in the bar. Like, and all those strategies, like, you know, don't have it in the house. I mean, they were ridiculous for me because I would just go out and get it. And thank God I, I have a, a husband who's not an addict and lots of kids and grandkids. And 
and I'm constantly making mountains of cookies and muffins and challah. I mean, they're all healthy. I own sugar, but I do bake with honey and whole grain flour. So they're ostensibly healthy, but but not for me because I have eaten mountains of those things. And now I can just make them and others can enjoy them. And they're not just they're just not what I eat or even want to eat because I know clearly without a shadow of a doubt where I'm going to end up. So I, I have to laugh, you know, when I think about all the the food that I'm involved with. I, I know people will get all stressed out about facing like the one traditional Thanksgiving feast a year. Uh, as an, a Torah observant Jew, I, every week we have two sumptuous, sometimes 10-course meals on the Sabbath. I mean, you can do the math. That's basically 108 Thanksgiving meals a year, not including the holidays, which adds up to another 24 Thanksgiving feasts a year, and not to mention that we live in a community with, thank God, loads of weddings and mitzvahs and other festivations. And it says we're like men who have lost our legs. I thank God program gives me bionic legs. I have to just strap them on. That's That's my choice. I need to strap them on so I can walk through this valley of food. Um, and then I just wanted to share that about the really hard, devastating, sad times that I would drown myself in food. I mean, last week there was a horrific tragedy. The precious, beautiful little four-year-old boy of a very close family member accidentally drowned. The Tuesday we went to Pittsburgh for the funeral, and then we came back to Baltimore, and Thursday we went to to a family member's wedding in New Jersey, and then we came back to Baltimore, and the next morning we went back to to Pittsburgh to give more comfort to the family. And I mean, I shudder to think what would happen if if I was in the food. This afternoon we're going to California, and then to Nashville to visit some of our other kids, and a, and a few weeks after that I'm going back to California to help one of my daughters who's due, and then to New York to another daughter who's due. Like, and I hate traveling. Like, I like my bed. I like my routine. So yeah, I'm a little trepidatious. But I just want to thank you guys for demonstrating how to trust and have simple reliance on God. Like, I didn't even know what that looked like before. I'd be trusting chocolate chips to get me through. And and result of that, time please. Pretty okay. I'm just getting into with this that. You know, I can take one day at a time and breathe and ask God for his will for me and the power to carry it out. And and I thank God I can live in gratitude because God is filling me up with his blessings. Um, life of neutrality and satiety. And I get to practice trust and simple reliance. So I can go anywhere and do all sorts of things without losing myself in the food or negative emotions. So thank, thank you all for being there. And, and I pass. Okay, thank you so much. Melissa C., you're up, followed by Cindy C., Hey, good morning, Katie. Thanks so much for your service. I'm Melissa C. I'm a recovered compulsive reader in New York. And, um, you know, the, this assumption that I'm spiritually fit, like that's the very first, you know, that's how this paragraph opens. And um, that kind of tells me that I can't really be unaware of my spiritual fitness. In fact, um, that's my responsibility and my focus. Like, I can exercise my willpower all, like we're told, that's good use of the will. I can exercise my willpower all along those lines, meaning I do the work of my spiritual fitness through through work and self-sacrifice for others, um, through living in agreement with what I believe God's will is for me. And I take care of that piece 
to the best of my ability. And then we get this incredible gift of food neutrality. So I don't have to use willpower when I'm, like, in the midst of places where there's tons of food around. And um, and that's truly miraculous. Like, I could never make myself not actually want what was surrounding me. But these 12 steps do that. And, you know, I have a really, thank God, I've got a really rich, full social life and active family life and my husband loves to go out places and there's often food around and we laugh I mean I am I take extra care of my abstinence I am not casual or flippant about what I need I think um I think about my allergy as though um it was a peanut allergy and um, and I wouldn't just, or if my kid had a peanut allergy, you know, I wouldn't just assume that everything would be okay for me to eat. I take really, I do take care of it, but I try to do it in a way um, that brings joy and humor. So, you know, my husband loves to laugh and tease me, and we go out to restaurants, and he'll he'll say to the waitress, oh, get ready for this one, you know, and laugh. And then I usually ask the waiter or the waitress to like, come next to me, because I don't want to shout it out across the table. I introduce myself. I'll say, hey, I'm Melissa. Like, what's your name? And I try to be friendly and kind. And then I say, listen, I'm a great big pain in the ass. I'm just going to tell you. But I'm really sweet. And I have serious food allergies, but they're not airborne. So no worries. Like, I won't get, like, I won't get into anaphylactic shock if other people eat them. But here's here's how I need my food. And I'm just really clear about it. And I find if I do it that way, I never have a problem. And everybody respects it. And then the conversation quickly turns to much more interesting things. And I can show up and I can talk about other topics besides what's on my plate. And um, for that, I'm grateful. And I'll pass. Thank you, Melissa C. Okay, Cindy C., you're up, followed by Loretta H. Cindy, we hear a loud noise, but we don't hear you talking. Hi, this is Cindy C. from New York. And I um, kind of had the same thing in mind that Melissa started out with, which was assuming that we're spiritually fit, which is just a huge assumption, and I can't make that assumption. So, you know, every morning I have a routine, and I have to make sure that I do it and not assume that I'm spiritually fit, because I think that could get me into tremendous trouble. Um, And then the rest of the paragraph talks about you know, whether or not we can play with food in my mind, you know. And in my hospitalization phase, which is where I'm at, I know I can't. And I have to take care of myself. And I've recently been told that I'm being selfish. And I guess I'm being selfish, but I need to get through my hospitalization phase so that I can get to the point where I can be around food. So all of this you know, that says that we ought to be able to be around food doesn't necessarily mean to me that that's day one, day two, or day 30. You know, when it's done, it's done, and I'll, maybe I'll know when it's safe for me. But for right now, I know what I have to do, and I'm in the hospitalization phase. But I do believe that I'm spiritually fit because I'm working on it. 
so um, yeah, I, I still think that we need to let God be in charge, and maybe it is selfish to be in the hospitalization phase, but it won't be forever. That's what I got. Thank you. Thank you so much. Um, that was Cindy C. Now we'll have Loretta H. followed by Lisa C. Good morning, Amy. Uh, Loretta H. in North Carolina recovered. Thank you all for, and my precious God, for saving my life. I feel so blessed about food. I was afraid to eat. Today, it's a privilege, and I don't abuse it. Uh, when I was in my hospitalization period, which was 22-plus uh, years ago, I actually had a job where I had to travel around the world. So there was no way that I could do this without that third step. You know, it talks about it in um, the 12 and 12, how they go to the beaches of Salerno and they can stay free of alcohol. And that basically, I was graced with that. My sponsor was a nutritionist, so she actually came to my home, took all of the crap out of it. But when I traveled and we actually went out for a dinner before I had a trip so that I could learn how to eat in public because I never knew how to do that, especially in my um, career of eating um, and anorexia. So I literally had, and it was all that third step, which is, I call it my trust fund today, even though at that time it was a very flimsy read. But I had to trust that I could go out into the world, live in it, and be abstinent and neutral. And today, the thing I crave the most in every 11th step I do is neutrality because that's what makes me not want to eat and allow me that privilege of eating without abusing it. So that spiritual fitness is so important in my daily activities. Step 10, 11, and 12, and I started sponsoring very shortly after I became abstinent. I had not gone through all the steps, but that's what kept me sane, and it also kept me um, walking my talk. And so I still text my food. In fact, I just texted it right before this meeting. And I have, but it's my accountability and honesty and the privilege that I get to eat what Loretta needs. You know, not what I want, but what I need. And so I firmly believe that I can go anywhere if I'm spiritually fit. And that neutrality is what I crave in all my affairs. And then I can live a principled, promising day. And with that, I pass. God bless everybody and be abstinent and in God's care. Thank you, Loretta H. Okay. Um, now we'll have Lisa C. followed by Vasa O. Hi. Good morning, everyone. My name is Lisa C. I'm a compulsive overeater from New Jersey. Um, thank you, everyone, for your shares today. Um, I really love listening to this meeting. I just came back from um, an eight-day-long vacation and, uh, you know, with not a single interest <laughs> or lick or bite 
even when my kids were, you know, saying, oh, this tastes so good, mommy, why don't you have some, right? You can't have even just a lick? And the answer is no. Um, you know, but I, I wanted to just share, because um, I'm thinking about newcomers, I'm thinking about those in the hospitalization period when I read this. And I just wanted to share that, you know, um, for a really long time before I came into OA, um, when I would try every um, diet and fad possible, including giving up, uh, you know, flour and sugar for a time, just not knowing that that was eating in an absent fashion, and of course not thinking that I'd ever last very long, um, you know, I would go to family occasions and Sunday dinners or even host things at our house and um, have no tools for getting through. Um, and what ended up happening for me is after a while, um, you know, before coming into OA, but once I came in, it really was um, the thing that would get me through in the early days, which is that, like, I would think of how I could be of service. Um, you know, I used to just sit at the table, really, and just, just waiting for the food to be, you know, set out. And um, I never wanted to, like, be helpful because then I would miss out on having that extra thing. Um but now it's like I whiz around the kitchen. I will find the serving spoons. I clean the whole table. I'll wash all the dishes. Um, and when someone will come in and say, hey, you want me to take over? I say, no, I'm really happy here. You know, um, and if I'm having, you know, a hard time at, at the table too, you know, I'll go to the bathroom and close my eyes and say a prayer. Or I'll take the dogs for a walk. Or I'll ask the kids to play a game with me. Um, there are a lot of things that I could do to, like, be of service and to be, like, a pleasant participant in a situation where there's food, which is why, you know, um, because of the spiritual fitness that, you know, I can be in all kinds of situations. I can even, you know, say to my kids, if we're like at this buffet with all these desserts and say, oh, I bet that'll taste good. You know, um, that's not something I really imagined I could do in a recovered state. And, and yet here I am. So I, I just wanted to share that, that there are so many ways to be of service a lot of it comes down to just human connection, which is really what um, gathering for meals is, is about at its heart, at its core, um, and, you know, bringing God with me at all times, which is my wish for everyone today. Um, thanks for letting me share our task. Thank you, Lisa C. Vasa O, you're up, followed by Vanita L. Yes, thank you. Good morning, everyone. I'm Vasa, grateful recover compulsive Ovira calling from Foxborough, Massachusetts. Thank you, Katie, for your service and everybody's service this morning. And uh, I know at the beginning of my program, I, uh, I started avoiding places to go to, like, for example, uh, Dunkin' Donuts, going the aisles uh, of the grocery store, store that, uh, the, you know, that I was tempted to look at those things, or the bakery, or whatever, different places. Oh, going to Christmas parties. I remember my mother-in-law had a big spread on the table, and I remember going to the bathroom and getting on my knees and asking God to give me the power, to give me the strength to not to go to those foods, to avoid them. And I remember going with the guys, watching football or whatever, and in a room full of smoke. In those days, people smoked in their houses, you know. But God gave me the power, the strength. I could bring my own food, or I could go over there and say, well, I can have this, I can have that, you know. And today, I don't, I just came back from three-week vacation 
from the old country. And, yeah, I was exposed with all kinds of foods over there. But I know, I know over the years what I need to do. My sponsor always pointed me to God with my higher power, you know, not with just the food. At the beginning it was with the food. Now I avoid, you know, being with people that are not, I don't avoid them, but I can be with those people that they are eating those things. And, you know, and it's none of my business. That's not my food plan. I have my food plan that I enjoy over the years. And I brought my brother, that you know, my sibling, that's very much into the disease. And then he forgot his insulin. And I just reminded him a couple times. And he said to me, it's none of your business what I do here. And I respected his, you know, his words. And I said, yes, it's just I'm traveling with you. I don't want to bury two brothers in this place, you know. But it's none of my business what you do or what you do at home. But then I was able to apologize and say, I'm sorry if I offended you when we departed, when we came back here. I'm sorry if I, if I offended you. And that's it. And I'm just so grateful. It, last night I was looking to the callback number about, um, about um, domestic problems. And I'm so grateful that God has given me the power, the strength to go through that with my marriage. And it's just, I, I cannot stop coming to these meetings, the programs, working the tools and, and everything, the steps. I have a life that I never imagined I had before, I couldn't have before. And it has to do with my higher power and the support and the steps. Thank you for letting me share, and I pass. Hello? Moderator, we don't hear you. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I was talking away and wasn't unmuted. Um, okay, so let me, we'll have the need to L, but first let me just tell you where we are. We're on page 100, the fourth paragraph um, that starts with assuming we are spiritually fit, reading through that one paragraph, and that's what we're commenting on. So we'll have the need to L, and then we'll open it up for more people. Thank you. Good morning, everybody. Vanita L., recovered compulsive overeater from Georgia, who has a cold and isn't feeling good. But I wanted to participate in the meeting just by sharing. You know, when I first stopped all sugar and flour and other things, um, my food cravings disappeared within one to two days. I wish I had recorded exactly and I didn't even know they were food cravings until they, until they disappeared. I just thought that was normal hunger, you know, like I wanted this or that, and I would just eat, you know, when I wanted it. And then I think I was in absent for 30 days when I went to a 12-step gathering that wasn't about food, and they put me in charge of the dessert table, an entire banquet table filled with um, sweets and I was standing there looking at it and it didn't even look appealing to me it looked like kind of cardboard food plastic food styrofoam food and I had no desire to eat it and that made like a really deep um, it was shocking to me it was shocking because I was 50 years old and 
never had had that experience before and never even thought it was possible. So, um, yeah, there's, I'm super grateful to the program for all the blessings I have gotten. And, you know, I woke up this morning, I didn't sleep well last night. I'm, I'm like spiritually fit. Like I don't feel physically fit at the moment for sure. But anyway, I know how to get myself back on track. And if I need to just lay down and rest all day, that will be being spiritually fit. All right. Thank you. Okay, thank you so much, Benita L. So if you haven't shared on Tuesday or Wednesday and would like to share on the fourth paragraph on page 100, please press star one. Alex Hufford? Oh, Alex H? Chad S? I'm sorry. I'm sorry, I didn't hear any of those names. Everybody sounds really soft. Alex B? Alex B from St. Louis? Missouri. Okay, Alec B. Jessica Pat S. From Ohio. Pennsylvania. Jessica S. Pat S. Lynn Pat S. Just can't hear you. So we have Pat S. I'm sorry, who is it? S. Pat S. S. Frank. Okay. Someone else. I can't hear you. Carolyn S. Like Sam in New York. Okay. Carolyn S. Catherine S. Who is it? Catherine S. Okay. I got you now. Abby R. New York. Abby R. Her jeans nice and clear. Okay. Anyone else? I have Alec B, Jessica S, Carolyn S, Catherine F, and Abby R. Joanne P. Joanne P. And who was that, K? Julie K. And Julie K. Okay, let's stop there. Not positive we'll get you all in, but we'll try. Alec B, Jessica S, Carolyn S, Catherine F, Abby R, Joanne P, and Julie K. Go ahead, please, Alec. You're muted, Alec. Star one. Thank you. Uh, sorry about that. Good morning, everybody. Okay. This is Alec B. from uh, Missouri. I'm a compulsive overeater and a stricter in recovery. Um, very glad to be here. I've, it's been a few months since I've been on the line uh, because I was in another um, environment, another program, but I was participating in Una Vision Barati, the Spanish language version of our fellowship. And so coming back now to this community, I'm just aware that my spiritual fitness um, is, is rooted in community, is rooted in trusting in my higher power through others, that over the summer when I tried to do it on my own, things started to fall apart, things became more anxious, things became more difficult. But when I'm here plugged into this community, plugged into uh, another language community with other uh, people in our program from around the world, uh, then my spiritual fitness could be maintained and, and through surrender to my high power and surrender to the, to the norms of our, of our way of life, maintain abstinence and receive freedom and joy. Uh, yeah, it, it, it helps me to think that, like this paragraph talks about, it's not the environment. The food 
available to me is not the problem. It's not a threat. It's when I'm not spiritually fit. It's when I'm not doing what I need to do in terms of prayer, in terms of sharing, in terms of listening and being attentive to others. That when I was plugging into those meetings and sharing with new people and uh, inviting other uh, companions into my life and, and being part of them, that's when I was able to maintain the, the, these steps and continue to deepen my journey and continue this journey of, uh, of recovery uh, day by day. And I'm very grateful for abstinence. I'm very grateful for recovery. I'm very grateful for the freedom that it gives me that I can go anywhere now in the world. And I have even a community, even double the size of ours, uh, including people who speak different languages and knowing that, that the spiritual fecundity of this program uh, is so vast and is so big and that our, our uh, uh, higher power is, is freeing people uh, and healing people all over the world. And that's an amazing thing. So I'm glad to be back on this line and uh, to be with you all. Um, may you all have an abstinent and joyful day. Thank you. Thank you, Alec. Okay, next we will hear from Jessica S. Star one. Yes, hi, I'm Jessica S., a grateful, compossible eater from um, Ohio. Um, yeah, I, I, I need to start, this paragraph actually reminds me that I need to start um, participating more in my own recovery. I mean, I go to meetings, um, and I usually kind of stand in the background, and I find out that when I usually stand in the background, I have a tendency to then become isolation. And I find myself, you know, I mean, even though I'm still... I'm sorry, we can't hear you. Can you fix your speaker or something? Oh, can you, can you hear me better? Okay. Um, so what I was saying was that I, I need to uh, participate more in my recovery. Um, I need to participate more in my recovery. And I find out that when I do that more, you know, even though I, I do 11 step, um, even though I do 10 step, but not as much as I should, I, I find myself um, thinking about food. And I... I, I guess what I'm just trying to say is that I do need to be spiritual, more spiritual fit doing the inventory, you know, reaching out. Um, and I guess one of my major character defects is that, you know, when things get busy and chaotic, you know, my daughter, she had surgery. My work life seems to be hectic. It's like I want to just shun myself away from the work, and I don't want to... Um, pick up the phone, but I find out that the food, you know, is, you know, it's calling, you know, I, I guess it is indeed a step up, you know, even if it's, even if it's a local AA meeting, a local AA meeting, which I went to, and, you know, I, I can't say I didn't think about it, the pastry that they had, you know, people asking me, do I want some? And I said, no, but it was like, I really wanted to, have it so I'm trying I guess I'm just trying to um I guess what I'm saying I'm just going to try to participate more in my meetings and my own recovery and I'll pass with that thanks thank you Jessica okay Carolyn S you're up followed by Catherine F Hi, this is Carolyn S., a recovered compulsive overeater from New York. Um, wow, such amazing shares. I'm so glad I'm on today. 
um, and that I'm getting a chance to share. Um, so, uh, you know, yeah, I, I used to think about this and say, you know, if, before I was in recovery, you know, if I could just get all this stuff away from me, if, if I could just stop going to birthday parties and weddings and, you know, then I'd be fine. Well, it says somewhere in the big book about, you know, if, if you could try to take all the alcohol in the world away and send somebody up to, you know, Alaska and all it would take is an Eskimo showing up with some alcohol and it's all blown, you know, it's like, that's not a realistic um, way to live. So, yeah, I'm surrounded by food all the time. It's it's like living in a bar when you're an alcoholic, I think. I'm not an alcoholic, I don't know. Um, but you know, so much of our social lives um, are woven in with food, right? It's like when, when you want to go out with a friend, I now will often say, do you want to go for a walk, which is, I think, the best. But some people will say, you know, you want to go to lunch, you want to go have coffee. Do you? And, and it's like always around the food. You know, Thanksgiving, Christmas, all those holidays are all about, you know, celebrating with special foods and eating too much of them. And I can't do that anymore. And um, for months I've had like almost no food thoughts. I, you know, I was telling somebody, I had heard this in the rooms a long time ago, this man had young children and he said he would bake with them. And he looked at the ingredients, you know, that the batter, um, as if it was Play-Doh. He said, you know, fun to play with, but I wouldn't want to eat it. And I always keep that in mind because that those foods are not mine. And, you know, I am okay cutting and serving, but if I'm feeling weak that day or you know, at all uncertain, I don't do it. I give it to my husband. And, um, it's interesting because I've, I've been recovered for a few months. So I'm still, but I've been in program 20 years, so a lot of uh, relapse. Um, but anyway, I'm on vacation right now, and I was buying all the, you know, food for the vacation. And one of the things that, you know, we always have on the beach is cookies, okay? And these particular ones, I had been shown so many times in the past. And I was going to get them because my family wanted them. But I was there in the supermarket, and I was like, okay, should I get the regular size or the family size? Should I get one or should I get two? And so, you know, God kind of spoke to me and said, forget about the family size. Nobody needs all those extra calories. Get the regular. And then it was like, well, should I get two? I know they're going to burn through one very quickly. And I thought, you know, no, uh, no, I'm not going to get two because why would I want to even give, you know, remind myself briefly of what I used to do with these things? The second one would have been all mine. And I said, you know what? If they run out, they'll find something else. There are stores on the island. Um, so I took one and, you know, they finished it yesterday and we still have a couple of days to go, but I, I did, I think I did the right thing for me in that moment. And, you know, a few months from now, a year from now, it might be fine. You know, I might, I might have 10 things of cookies and I have no problem, but, you know, I'm, I'm going to protect myself and my abstinence, which is so precious to me and everyone else around me, even if they might not know it. Um, because when I am in the time, food, please. I'm a self-centered uh, person. Thank you. I pass. Thank you so much. Um, that was Carolyn S. And now we'll have Catherine F. followed by Abby R. Hi, everybody. My name is Catherine S. I suffer from binge eating disorder, bipolar disorder, borderline personality disorder, and post-traumatic stress disorder. Um, I just want to say my spiritual life is the center of everything I do, uh, and it has been for nine years, um, but three weeks ago, I stopped binging and stopped binging on my binge foods, um, and I just wanted to share something the Lord revealed to me at Mass this morning 
um, he gently asked me to be patient with myself as I go through this process, um, just because I've realized that I'm managing, I've been managing my mental illness and childhood trauma with food. Um, and he's just, there's a lot of emotions, a lot of things coming up, and he's just like, be patient with yourself. Um, and then another thing is that a priest, and then also at Mass today, I was challenged to begin to forgive myself um, for everything I've done. Um, but yeah, I just have to say, cravings have been fine pretty much since I gave up my binge foods. And I'm just so grateful that I found this and I finally surrendered my eating to God that I can't eat whatever I want. What I want to eat will kill me. Um, and so I have to follow a plan. I have to follow a way of eating in order to not only physically live, but spiritually live and mentally live. And with that, I'll pass. Thank you so much, um, Catherine F. Okay, we have seven minutes, six minutes, and three people. Um, Abby R., you're up, followed by Joanne P. If you would like to take two minutes each, that would be great, but I'm not going to make you. Hi, this is Abby R. Just cue me at two minutes, if you don't mind. Um, This is Abby R. from New York, um, gratefully recovering um, about in step eight now. And I'm so glad I'm on the line. I went to um, my first sort of social gathering last night since, um, the hospitalization period began and since I've turned by will of my life over to the care of God and um, it was um, super wonderful I and mean, it was a small gathering it was only five or six women I brought my dinner um, to the person's house it was way less of a big deal than I thought it would be uh, surprise surprise I'm not the center of everyone's world which is becoming clearer and clearer to me and I just wanted to share quickly what a fellow has shared with me after um, I had left there. I called. She said how to go. And um, I said, it, you know, it was it was good. I kind of, you know, when the the pizza came out, I kind of went like, uh, you know, slightly annoyed. That, uh. And then she just shared with me something so interesting that helped her. She said, as I go through um, further and further in the program, that um, it does get easier and that um, she says that she, for her, she looks at our, her non-abstinent foods as rat poison. And she said, so when a thought comes to mind, like, mm, I, I'm kind of annoyed I don't have that. She said that she identifies that as an insane thought because no person in their right mind would look at rat poison, which kills them, right? My non-abstinent foods kill me. Um, and say, mm, I kind of wish I had that. So it was a really good visual for me. Um, I've got a box in my head of a rat poison, you know, and just reminding myself those foods are, they're poison to me and they will kill me. Um, and, and I am just grateful that I am not obsessed right now with them. Thank you for letting me share. Thank you so much, Abby. Okay, Joanne P., you're up, followed by Julie K. Good morning, everyone. This is Joanne P. I'm a grateful, recovered, compulsive overeater from Pennsylvania. So thankful for this meeting and for all of you and your service and your shares. This paragraph really speaks to me. This first sentence, assuming we are spiritually fit, we can do all sorts of things that we're not supposed to be able to do. What a miracle. You know, what a miracle that... um, 
only God can do for us what we can't do for ourselves. And uh, working these steps and learning that my mistakes were an opportunity for me to change my attitude, um, just my experience shows me that I I don't have to get rid of all the alcoholic foods that I can't eat, that um, when I trust in God, my higher power helps me to just have neutrality towards food. But it's everywhere, right? We have to eat to live, and it's everywhere. It's not like alcohol where, you know, it, it doesn't have to be around you. But food does, and um, I just am so grateful for the um, our 12 steps, our program for our fellows and our fellowship, but especially um, my higher power. I trust in my higher power, surrender to my higher power. And I pray every day that I can be spiritually fit because it's one day at a time. My experience shows me that too. So not necessarily so. Every day is a new day. You know, we wake up put our feet in the ground, we're still at it. So we still have to practice these um, principles in all of our daily affairs and be humble and um, just surrender to God's will and pray that uh, God will give me the right thoughts and actions so that I can be spiritually fit and, yeah, and neutral to all foods. Yeah. Thank you for letting me share. I'm so grateful to be here. Thank you. Okay, Julie Kay, you have a little over a minute. Do you want to take that? Perfect. Wonderful. I sure do. Hi, everyone. I'm Julie Kay, compulsive overeater, recovering from Connecticut, although currently in Savannah, Georgia, and off to Hilton Head tomorrow. And that's part of the reason why I really wanted to open my mouth and claim my seat. I have heard more um, in these last few days. I don't know. I feel like God has removed the cotton from my ears. I've heard things that I haven't heard before when I've read these pages a gazillion times. Um, I'm not struggling with food. I'm struggling with emotional integrity, emotional sobriety, and I'm grateful that it hasn't led me back to the food, but I understand that it's a very slippery slope. Um, So I am sticking closer to God, sticking closer to program, and um, seeking support from the fellowship. And I'm super grateful that even on vacation, I'm able to call into this line every day. So um, thank you all for being here. And with that, I pass. Thank you so much, Julie Kay. And thank you to everyone who has shared this morning. We will now close. um, Let's see. uh, Please join us for a second unrecorded hour of study immediately following the closing. And the share ID for today, Thursday, August 17th, 7 a.m. meeting is 20,548. That's 20548. We will now close with the reading from the big book on page 164, followed by the serenity prayer. Will Lulu L. please read A Vision for You? Our book is meant to be suggestive only. Yes. Um, Good morning, my family. This is Lulu L. recovered for today in Florida. Our book is meant to be suggestive only. We realize we know only a little. God will constantly disclose more to you and to us. 
Ask him in your morning meditation what you can do each day for the man who is still sick. The answers will come if your own house is in order. But obviously you cannot transmit something you haven't got. See to it that your relationship with him is right and great events will come to pass for you and countless others. This is the great fact for us. Abandon yourself to God as you understand God. Admit your faults to him and to your fellows. Clear away the wreckage of your past. Give freely of what you find and join us. We will be with you in the fellowship of the Spirit, and you will surely meet some of us as you trudge the road of happy destiny. May God bless you and keep you until then. Thank you for allowing me.